0: The Illinois Supreme Court upholds the end of cash bail. Yesterday's landmark decision in criminal justice reform makes Illinois set to become the first state in the U.S. to eliminate cash bail. In a 5-2 decision yesterday, the high court overturned a ruling from a state judge in December that deemed ending cash bail unconstitutional. We're joined now by Cook County Public Defender Sharon Mitchell Jr. Welcome.
1: Good morning.
0: What was your reaction to yesterday's news?
1: Um, You know, it's been uh, about a decade of work uh, that organizers, faith leaders, and uh, you know, just regular folks have put in. So it was certainly a relief. But uh, the the decision by the Supreme Court wasn't a surprise. the The lawsuit was was was, in my opinion, fairly weak, and it was. Um, you know, it was expected that the Supreme Court would honor the will of the people.
0: Yeah. Well, this vote to uphold the end of cash bail it passed with a five two vote. As I mentioned, uh, was such overwhelming support expected?
1: I would think so. You know, the the, the arguments made uh, uh, by the uh, plaintiffs was that you know you know cash bail is kind of guaranteed in the Constitution and and removing that option would be a violation of the Constitution. Uh, There were other arguments, but, you know, I I think the the, the ruling, uh, the the opinion uh, suggested that those arguments were relatively weak.
0: Yeah, let's dig into the arguments. What were the main arguments that you were seeing against this?
1: Well, on the constitutionality piece, it was that that, that kind of you know, one of the paraphrases, a complicated argument, but essentially that the Constitution of, of Illinois essentially guarantees that um, the, that the right, uh, the ability to be able to have cash bond, and they they also argue that um, uh, you know victims or alleged victims w- would be cut out from the process. Uh, both of those arguments are, are pretty untrue. And and the, the majority's opinion, I, I think, did a very good job of uh, dispelling those um, quite efficiently.
0: So the the bail system overhaul, it's, it's one of several provisions that are included in the criminal justice reform law that we know as the Safety Act. Why has there been so much controversy in opposition towards the act, do you think?
1: well i think the first thing is that there's been lots of support right uh, the reality of the situation is that many of these reforms have been fought over decades and decades so i don't want to act as if that these were unpopular they were very very popular reforms uh, the vast majority of people that i have talked to and and lots of people who you know were you know I've met along the way don't believe uh, that money is a is a fair arbiter of whether somebody should go to jail uh, but there has been opponents, and, and, and many of those opponents, I think, have leaned into kind of more politically based than policy based arguments. And there's no doubt these are significant changes to the law. And there are some folks that are that are comfortable with the status quo. Um, others, and the, the folks that prevailed in this case, I think, uh, see the system in need of great repair and believe these reforms get us closer to a system that is truly just and fair.
0: Yeah. So, what what is Pre-trial detention going to look like then once this decision goes into full effect in September.
1: Well, what it means is that money uh, can't be used as the determining factor on whether somebody uh, should be in jail or not. Mm-hmm. Right? You know, there will still be arguments between prosecutors and defense attorneys on whether uh, a person should be detained. There's not an abolition of pre-trial detention. But what it does do is, it, it, I think it just acknowledges the truth that money shouldn't be playing a factor, and that there is a need for a more clear um, and, 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 and really defined set of rules around that decision decision making process. Uh, the law before the, the, the Pretrial Fairness Act and the Safety Act was was contradictory in, in, in many points. It was unclear, and, and it created outcomes where we were both relying on money we were making these decisions in, you know, seconds, you know, minutes. Uh, I think the new law um, will put us in a better position. You know, the the system Mm -hmm. isn't perfect. It won't be, it wasn't perfect before. It won't be perfect after, but certainly these are great steps in the right direction on a number, on a number of spaces.
0: Yeah. So what does this decision mean then, you know, for the overall future of the safety act going into effect this in the midst of the controversies and the challenges that you described?
1: Well, I mean, the legal challenges are over now, right? So, you know, this law uh, was, you know, signed into, you know, signed the law early 2021, late 2020. Uh, There was, you know, on the bond aspect, there was a kind of intentional two week, two year. Um, implementation process uh, so that courts across the state could get prepared. Um, the The lawsuit came at the very last second, literally hours before the law was set to be put in place. And I think the vast majority of serious actors have been preparing. Uh, for the implementation. And and we will continue to prepare here at the Law Office of the Cook County Public Defender. And we want to be prepared on day one for these new changes.
0: Well, the tractors of the Safety Act and yesterday's ruling, they're speaking out. Uh, WBEZ talked with DuPage County State Attorney uh, Bob Berlin. Here's a little bit of his reaction and his concerns with the Safety Act.
2: General Assembly has excluded certain categories of crime from detention, uh, that being all class four felonies, except where the felony involves uh, the threat of harm uh, to an individual. That is a concern. I have been advocating for the New Jersey model. And when New Jersey eliminated cash bail back in 2017, they gave judges discretion in all criminal cases to detain someone if they're a threat to the community, a threat to a person, or likely to flee. Our law that goes into effect September 18th, doesn't go that far. So
0: Berlin is saying the Safety Act doesn't allow judges to detain people for certain crimes and that it, it could allow dangerous criminals back on the street. We've heard this before. What, what do you make of those concerns?
1: Well, I think the first thing is to think about how the system exists in the status quo, right? And the system in the status quo allows for individuals to basically pay their way out of jail on all types of charges right so it's important for us not to be comparing this law to perfection because correction doesn't exist with that said the law does give the judges the opportunity to make decisions uh if the person has demonstrated that they uh, either have not come to court um or or, or have a, a tendency not to come to court the court can consider that but i think it's also important to note this what we're talking about are allegations oftentimes that don't even don't even equate um, to prison, given the charges, right? So we're talking about incarcerating an individual before trial for a charge, in which oftentimes they would even go to prison for. So I, I think we're in the, we're going in the right direction. Um, I think also the important thing to note is. We know that pretrial incarceration, especially for those kind of Class Four charges that uh, State Attorney Berlin is talking about, Mm -hmm. will often create outcomes where people are more likely to return to jail. When you have these kind of nonviolent charges, when you have charges where, you know, somebody is only going to stay in jail or prison a short period of time, what you're doing is you're usually cutting them off from schooling opportunities, cutting them off from education opportunities, cutting them off from employment opportunities. You're pulling money out of their pockets because of the use of cash run. And you're actually increasing the criminogenic factors that draw people back into the criminal legal system. That's why study after study after study has shown that this type of pretrial incarceration actually creates more dangerous conditions for communities. So while um, I certainly respect um, State Attorney Berlin's position, and it certainly should be noted that State Attorney Berlin worked with the General Assembly um, on cleanup language, um, this law is far better than where we were uh, in the status quo or where we are now.
0: Yeah, and beyond the, uh, the opposition and the criticism, uh, like what we just heard, I mean, your perspective on this, I mean, is, is there anyone at a disadvantage here with this decision?
1: Listen, no law is perfect, right? And the law will be reformed and changed and tweaked. But I feel very confident that this is a better system than what we had before. The idea that money was the main factor in somebody going to jail or not going to jail is completely broken. The idea that we were collecting literally tens of millions of dollars from communities that could barely barely take it, mainly black women and brown women and brown mothers and grandmothers and sisters and partners. The idea that we were relying on that system, that people had to buy their freedom and buy their innocence, is a completely broken project. I will not proclaim that this system is perfect, but the idea we were doing that, man, this is such a great day in the sense that we've gone away from that. It
0: just never made sense. Mm. This is Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. The Illinois Supreme Court has ruled in favor of eliminating the state's cash bail system, the most controversial part of the Safety Act. And Yesterday's decision makes Illinois the first state in this country to actually eliminate cash bail. We're talking with Cook County Public Defender Sharon Mitchell Jr., as a leader at the Cook County Public Defender's Office, I mean, how does this affect what you do? I mean, how, how does the cash bail system affect your clients?
1: Well, listen, I, you know, I grew up in, the, in, the, in this office. I, I grew up uh, as, as a young public defender's office. I grew up as a Chicagoan, a Southsider. And I will tell you, one of the hardest things about my job was essentially negotiating with family members. Remember, it's family members that are usually paying the spot. And... You know, people having to make the decision, elderly folks or, or or grandmothers or churches having to make the decision about whether to pay their rent or pay their bond because they knew that if they didn't, their loved one would be exposed to a risk of harm in jail. I'm so glad that people don't have to make that decision anymore. Now, listen. It's going to be uh, a serious implementation implementation challenge, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, this is a very, very, very big change to the system, but that's why I'm so glad the the authors authors of this law created that implementation lane, and we've gotten basically another extra eight months, right? This law was signed in January of 2021, or shortly there before, right? Or I think January 2021. It built in a two year implementation program, right? So, where we would, and the Supreme Court has shown some great leadership in providing opportunities for court actors to get together. We've seen the same thing here in Cook County. So, while it will be a, certainly a big challenge and everything won't be perfect, mm-hmm. it is far better than the status quo. And we have had an opportunity to prepare for this. And I'm hoping that people over the next two months will take this seriously if they haven't, because it's important for us to get this right and not just, you know, kind of stick our heads in the sand.
0: Now, opponents to the ruling are saying that the elimination of cash bail will result in the legal system being stretched thin in addressing cases. Now, this is Patrick Windhorst, a state representative and former Southern Illinois prosecutor.
2: I don't think the resources uh, available now that the safety act will be fully implemented will be enough. I don't believe those resources will be enough. So what essentially we're doing is taking what would, would be a month's potentially up to a year's worth of court process and compacting it into a much shorter time frame. Uh, so decisions that would be made over the course of maybe a month or two are now going to be made over the course of 48 hours.
0: And Windhorse goes on to speak about public defenders specifically.
2: Each county prosecutor's office is going to need more resources uh, to expedite those decisions, and the, we'll need po- more public defenders to assist with those hearings. We likely will need more judges to handle the hearings so ultimately i think what will happen is that the counties uh prosecutors offices public defenders the court system will be coming to the state requesting more money or they'll be going and requesting more money from the local property taxpayer
0: so tell us what you, you th- make of these claims and, and as a public defender your response to what he said there
1: well, let me let me break this down. I, I think what Representative Windhorst is saying here is that in the status quo, there are people waiting months in jail for determination about whether they can be released or not, which is already volatile of the law, right? The law that existed before the Pretrial Fairness Act and the Safety Act. But people are waiting, I guess, months in jail, right, simply because they're poor. And because we don't have the, the money for it, I guess – We should continue that system. That is wild. That is wild. I am glad that we are pushing our system toward results where people have a fair and expedited decision about what should happen to them as they wait for trial. We should we should have not been waiting for the General Assembly To making sure that people have those decisions made because they're owed to it, whether we're talking about the accused person, the accused person's family, whether we're talking about alleged victims. I think it's really important to note that one of the biggest supporters of this legislation were folks who supported victims' rights because they did not believe that the use of money in making these decisions created better outcomes or better decisions. Hmm. So – also, I think this is clear. Representative Winkler is right. Is that yeah? Public defenders and state attorneys are going to need to adjust, and quite frankly, public defenders across the country uh, have been asking for more resources. So I don't want to discount that from happening, right? But that existed before or after the, the, the Safety Act and the Pretrial Fairness Act, and quite frankly, hopefully, this is opportunity to acknowledge an issue that quite frankly has been ignored for decades. I'm so happy that we reside in a county where we have a county board and a county president that's recognizing this and providing more staffing for the Public Defender's Office, Mm -hmm. but that should happen across the state. And we
0: should note, Reset reached out to several opponents of the decision, including DuPage County State's Attorney Bob Berlin and State Representative Patrick Windhorst. None were available to come on the program today. So leave us with this, after the decision, what are the next steps for officially ending cash bail?
1: Well, you know, there's an the implementation process that it's going to continue. Uh, here at the Public Defender's Office, we're going to be doing our best to train our staff. Uh, we, we were doing that before, right before the last second the, ru- the rug got pulled from under us, but we're going to continue that process. Uh, I know the county stakeholders, whether we're talking about judges or the state's attorney's office or the clerk's office, have been enga- engaging in implementation. Um, and I think everybody is going to kind of be full speed ahead, um, hoping to have a smooth of transition as possible.
0: That was Cook County Public Defender Sharon Mitchell Jr. Thank you so much for your time.
2: Thank you so much for having me.